Welcome to episode three of No Cap, where we get real and honest about the life of a social worker. We will delve into social issues that occur all around us. I am your host, Ayala Schwartz, a senior in the Human Service Studies Department at Elon University. Today, I will be discussing the community of Alamance, as well as specific social issues and policies surrounding that issue. A little bit of background on dementia. Dementia is a nonspecific syndrome that severely affects memory, language, complex motor skills, and other intellectual abilities seriously enough to interfere with daily life. Although dementia is more common in the geriatric population, approximately 5% of those 65 or older have said to be affected, it can also occur in younger populations, in which case it would be called early onset dementia. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia among the geriatric population, accounting for 50 to 80 percent of dementia cases. It is a progressive and irreversible disease where memory and cognitive abilities are slowly destroyed, making it impossible to carry out even simple daily tasks. Alzheimer's disease typically manifests after the age of 60, and according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Alzheimer's disease is the fifth leading cause of death among adults aged 65 and older. The Alzheimer's Association also notes that the number of people aged 65 and older with Alzheimer's disease is estimated to reach 7.1 million by 2025, and that's a 40% increase from the estimated 5 million aged 65 and older that are currently affected by the disease. And just another fact, Medicare costs for those with Alzheimer's and other dementias are estimated to be $107 billion, and this was in 2013. In 2016, Alamance County's population reached over 159,000 people. The number of people in Alamance County under the age of 18 was about equal to the number of people over the age of 60. Um, Over the next two decades, the child population, which is under the age of 18, will only grow by 19.1%, while the older adult population, which is age 60 years and over, will increase by 57.6%. So it's estimated that in 2036, the older adult population will reach 56,000 people and will outnumber the child population in Alamance County. And within Alamance County, there's about 11, it's about 11% of people, elderly people who have Alzheimer's. Also in Alamance County, um, I looked at the cause, top causes of deaths among people in Alamance County, and Alzheimer's was number four. So above that is chronic lower respiratory diseases, cancer, and diseases of the heart. Um, but it's important to note that Alzheimer's is a very large cause of death in Alamance County. Alamance County has an unemployment rate of 4.5%, and the U.S. average is 6%. Alamance County has seen the job market increase by 1.1% over the last year, and future job growth over the next 10 years is predicted to be 35.4%, which is higher than the U.S. average of 33.5%. The percentage of people living in Alamance County with the high school, that, is a, that are high school graduates or higher from the age of 25 and up between 2015 and 2019 is 86.3%. Um, people with a bachelor's degree or higher from the age of 25 and up between 2015 to 2019 is 24.8%.
Some information on housing in Alamance County. In 2019, the median age was 39.1. In 2019, poverty rate was 16.1%. In 2019, the median household income was 49,000. In 2019, the median property value was 154,000. And in 2019, the employed population was 77,000. So moving away from Alamance County and more into the place that I am interning at, which is Twin Lakes. Um, so Twin Lakes was established by a gift from a Lutheran church. And the information that was given, the only information that was given was use this money to serve the seniors of Alamance County. So that was the only statement that the people who started Twin Lakes were, were given. So they saw that as that this man wanted them to do three things. Take care of residents in the community, in Twin Lakes, but also the broader community of Alamance. To also help other organizations that serve seniors, and to also try to find organizations with Lutheran values. So some examples of, all, of how they are able to do all of those things are Meals on Wheels takes care of the residents in Twin Lakes as well as the broader community, and it's another organization, and I believe it's also a Lutheran organization, as well as Habitat for Humanity is, does those three things. And Twin Lakes is very committed to the health and well-being of their entire community, extending well beyond their campus. Each year, Twin Lakes commits more than 1.5 million charitable care and community benefits through monetary gifts and volunteer services from the staff, residents, and organization. Twin Lakes matches gifts made by staff and board members to local approved charitable organizations. Additionally, staff members are encouraged to serve on local nonprofit boards and to volunteer their time to serve others. Annually, Twin Lakes Community hosts a Lanes of Light Christmas light drive, um, and they collect more than 25 tons of food for hungry members of the community. Since it started, this event has collected more than 240 tons of food. So a list of some of the places that, Element, that Twin Lakes partners with are Alamance Community College, Alamance County Meals on Wheels, as I said, Allied Churches of Alamance County, Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, Burlington Housing Authority, Town of Elon Fire Department, Elon University, Habitat for Humanity, like I said, Lutheran Services in America, and Salvation Army of Alamance. By partnering with all of these organizations, it allows Twin Lakes to receive help and give help, and that is exactly their mission. They are committed to the care of their residents as well as the care of the broader community. Some organizations that give and receive referrals to Twin Lakes are um, at Twin Lakes, people are referred out to doctors and hospitals as well as therapies or therapists. Um, at Twin Lakes, there are a few therapists, but they are not equipped to constantly be helping everyone with regular therapy appointments. It's more like quick things that they need to be talked about. Um, they're also referred to Cone Health, all local hospitals, and the way that people are referred to Twin Lakes are in the independent living area. It's mostly word of mouth. They want the residents to be happy and to speak about all of the things that they love about Twin Lakes, and that helps bring other people to the organization, and they also refer people out to physical therapy and occupational therapy. 
Twin Lakes competes with other CCRCs like Village at Brookwood, which is also in North Carolina, and it has a large and North Carolina has a large number of CCRCs compared to other neighboring states. Some reasons that Twin Lakes may be competing with other CCRCs are culture. Um, Twin Lakes culture is very Lutheran-based, and people may not be interested in that, so they may go find another CCRC. Meals are not mandatory at Twin Lakes. Like, meal plans are not mandatory, which sometimes people want that. Accessibility. Twin Lakes is very, very spread out, so some people want just one building that they can go into. Um, amenities might be different at different CCRCs that people want. And the location. Many people want to stay where they're living. For example, if they're in Chapel Hill, they don't want to come to Elon. So it's all about where they want to go and what would make them the most comfortable. A way that Twin Lakes collaborates with other agencies are they collaborate with Elon, they collaborate with the Burlington community, they collaborate with different service providers, and one of them is, is a Dementia Alliance. And another one that they collaborate with is Leading Age NC, and it's a trade for prop for nonprofit CCRCs. So they do lobbying, programming, and education. And for example, they do calls every Monday where they talk to lots of different CCRCs around the country or around the state, sorry. And they talk about COVID, like masking policies or vaccines or boosters or um, even not COVID-related, like how the CCRCs work, talk about payments, how how they can work together and help each other out. And it's really interesting because a lot of the time people gain ideas from each other hearing that one CCRC does something a certain way so they can call them later and be like, so tell me more about that. How can I do that? Or how, And it's all about how they can improve each other's CCRCs, and it's a great, great program. There is a large lack of social awareness about dementia, which results in difficulties to the dementia patients as well as their families. So understanding dementia is a great first step to remove or reduce the stigma of dementia patients and promote the health of all of the entire community. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia, and the term Alzheimer's disease has been used for over 100 years since it was first used in 1910. A little bit of history on dementia. Dementia has occurred in human history long before it was named. In about 2000 BC, the ancient Egyptians were already aware that memory declines as people age. The concept of dementia has been around since early civilianists. Ancient philosophers viewed mental decay as a normal part of aging. The prevalence and the study of dementia increased as the lifespan of humans extended. In the late 1800s, with advancements in medicine and the ability, ability to look inside the brain, the medical community realized that the disease could cause the de this deterioration. The most common dementia was named in 1910 after Eloise Alzheimer, a German psychiatrist. In 1906, Alzheimer, who looked at post-mortem brains of affected younger people, published the first case a 50-year-old woman with dementia symptoms. After her death, Alzheimer's saw the microscopic plagues and tangles now known as hallmarks of the disease. At the same time, another German psychiatrist, Oscar Fischer, studied the brains of older people and he too saw plagues and tangles. Both contributions furthered the understanding of the condition, but the naming of Alzheimer's disease by prominent psychiatrist Emil Kreppelin 
and the occurrence of World War II relegated Fisher's name into obscurity. As medical technology improved, so has the understanding of dementia and its causes. Next, I wanted to speak about the National Alzheimer's Project Act created by President Barack Obama. So Barack Obama stated, for millions of Americans, the heartbreak of watching a loved one struggle with Alzheimer's disease is a pain they know all too well. Alzheimer's disease burdens an increasing number of our nation's elders and their families, and it is essential that we confront the challenge it poses to our public health. On January 4th, 2011, President Barack Obama signed into law the National Alzheimer's Project Act, or NAPA, requiring the Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services to establish this. So what this program did was it creates and maintains an integrated national plan to overcome Alzheimer's disease, coordinates Alzheimer's disease research and services across all federal agencies, accelerates the development of treatments that would prevent, halt, or reverse the course of Alzheimer's disease, improve early diagnosis and coordination of care and treatment of Alzheimer's disease, improve outcomes for ethnic and racial minority populations that are at higher risk for Alzheimer's disease, and coordinate with international bodies to fight Alzheimer's globally. Lastly, some evidence-based research that I found um, on how to help solve this social problem is a program called Dementia Friendly America. So Dementia Friendly America is a national network of communities, organizations, and individuals seeking to ensure that communities across the U.S. are equipped to support people living with dementia and their caregivers. Dementia-friendly communities foster the ability of people living with dementia to remain in their community and engage and thrive in day-to-day -day life. And Dementia-Friendly America is administered by U.S. Aging. A dementia-friendly community is a village or a town or a city that is informed, safe, and respectful of individuals with the disease, their families, and caregivers, and providing supportive options that foster quality of life. So some places... Some examples of dementia-friendly places in the community are businesses and banking, law enforcement and first responders, healthcare systems, faith communities, local governments, community members, restaurant, grocery stores, libraries, employers, residential care, and community services. So basically, this program teaches all of these different people working in these different places signs of Alzheimer's, how to talk to someone with Alzheimer's, and it's really just an education-based thing so that because of the lack of knowledge on dementia, people don't know what to look for. People don't know how to act around people like that. So this is a great way to help integrate people with dementia and people without dementia to learn how to understand each other cohesively. That wraps up episode three of No Cap. See you soon.